episode 18 18 we are legal we can finally vote (laughs) and smoke and that's it (laughs) (laughs) welcome you guys uh to my in front of me is your other host morgan beard (laughs) and to my in front of me is the other host rob zaleski what do you call that to my forward to my front What do you mean? You'd say to my left is... You to know, my left, to my right. People. Yeah, but we're just facing each other. Yeah. What Across from me. Across from me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. On the other end of that mic, in your other earlobe. Mm. No, not earlobe. Yeah, we, I don't mix it that way. I do this in mono. <laughs> I thought about doing panning you to the right and me to the left. Oh, that'd be funny. Like angel and devil. You'd just say that that mixing decision would be funny. <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah, I think it would be funny. <laughs> I think it would be annoying. A handful of people would appreciate it. Everyone else would hate it. People are listening to this in their car. I guess some people use headphones. Headphones are when you can really hear that kind of panning choice. I thought you were going to just define headphones. <laughs> headphones are when you have... <laughs> Two little speakers right on your head. <laughs> One in each ear. Rob on the left, Morgan on the right. Yeah. No. Um, our pad- podcasting service, Podbean... Uh, is on a simple plan that we've <laughs> decided to not splurge on, and we upload a mono 128 kilobytes per second audio files. So there is no difference between what's coming out of your left and right speaker right now, if you're interested in that type of technical information. And if you have any grievances, please direct them to freeadvicepodcast.com. Yes, and send us the upgrade to stereo. Ooh, <laughs> if you could only hear that theme song, that sweet, sweet intro music you just heard in stereo, wow, it really... Ooh. It really sends you to another world. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the differences between that world and the world that they're currently on? Um, it's it's more like a, a child's happy place. Oh, it's dreamlike and uh, idyllic. You know what it reminds me of? Um, huh. That that Zoolander uh, video that Mugatu makes, where it's like happy, happy. Ha ha ha. When he's programming. Spoiler alert. <laughs> in case you haven't seen Zoolander, which was released in like 2002. I have seen it. I'm struggling to recall this So it, the villain, Mugatu, programs yeah. Derek Zoolander sure. Will to Ferrell, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. Did yeah. You Will Ferrell is Mugatu. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ben Stiller is Zoolander to um, Derek Zoolander. become a uh, fighter of yeah. the. Malaysian prime minister yeah. and creates this um, video. I don't know what the word really is that I'm looking for. there's a big for. payoff for this. Oh, story. there's none, none, <laughs> okay. none payoff. Okay. No, zero, zero. <laughs> Will you gain something out of telling it? To Absolutely completion? not. Let's stop right now. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks. You're welcome. What would you, but now I feel like the onus is on you to interject oh. with something. I think just sitting here in silence for the next 20 seconds is going to be uh, more appreciated just than that summary what? of the plot of Zoolander. <laughs> just what the people want. Yeah. Just a An second to, to be meditate. alone with their thoughts. No, who am I kidding? That's why you put us on because that shit going on in your head, that shit is scary. <laughs> Don't confront any of that right now. You got good company in the form of Morgan Beard. <laughs> and Rob Zaleski. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 18. <laughs> <laughs> Disregard all that Zoolander yeah, shit. Here yeah. we are. Yeah. All right. We're here, guys. Um, do you have any advice that you'd like to ask me for today? Great question. So... Yes. Uh, I was discussing in the wake of my fears and anxieties uh, mm-hmm. from the week 
and maybe from the 17th episode of this podcast yeah. that I've felt a little less um, able to kind of like think on my toes comedically and a little bit stuck in a rut in terms of kind of leaning on the same types of conversation topics mm-hmm. over and over. And I found myself in a situation on Saturday night where I went to see a concert of a friend with one person that I knew and like a whole group of people that only she knew. And I was meeting them all for the first time, which normally I'm like, yeah, that's totally great. I can easily fit into like any group and do fine or at least entertain myself. And I felt like I was just standing there like a deer in headlights, racking my brain for something like, what would a normal person say right now? Like what? And then not even being sure that there was even a problem and I like I could have easily just like not put that pressure on myself to supply conversation. Um, but so what are some techniques that you use specifically as a soldier of conjuring fun mm. to create in the moment inspiration that flows conversationally and is, is interesting, entertaining and sort of different. Okay, you say a soldier of fun? Yeah. yeah. I know, I kind of like mixed metaphors there. It was weird. Mm. Um, do you want uh, advice for that night or more about generally how to be more funny or feel more like you have a, more of a sense of play? Yeah, let's go with that. Because okay. that night already <clears throat> happened. I already, you know, I got a D. Got you. <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> um, well... One piece of groundwork is, for many skills, is kind of a universal principle, but your ability to be funny is directly related to your comfort with the idea that you might not be funny. Like, mm-hmm. you're taking a risk in mm-hmm. making any kind of a joke, and so, like, if you're all right with them not laughing at it, you're going to do better. Mm-hmm. So um, you seem pretty comfortable about this experience that night so you're already on the right path i think um i want to draw from a book called the comics toolbox yeah please author's name i forget but i have a pdf of it if you're ever interested in skimming it and i also have my notes which distills the uh the content great well. that'll that'll go up on our eventual patreon yeah <laughs> rob's sure. notes no, about I'm a comics toolbox to, speaking to morgan in particular. i know <laughs> but um <laughs> In that, the author um, argues that the best thing that you can do uh, to inspire your humor is to just have new experiences, especially ones that are Mm. challenging and foreign to you, somehow scary, but not like physically threatening. Yeah. Um, And that when you do that, when you're traveling, for instance, I always come up with lots of jokes. If you've been on a trip with, with me ever, I'm a hoot. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really, I'm really much funnier in new environments. He is a hoot. When, when yeah, you're like, that's true. you know, you're coming into contact with new traditions, new yeah. policies, new establishments, and people doing new things that you've never seen before. And there's all this stuff to like take in and compare to other things and analyze and come up with explanations for. Yeah. So um, the big thing on having a sense of play, I guess, is just looking for games and i Mm -hmm. think you do this pretty well in our conversations but like um finding a comic perspective is what this book was largely about the authors was um 
what if the world was set up as my personal circus and everything that was <laughs> that I see is was put there specifically to amuse me? I love kind of that. like a narcissist's lens. He's like, when I take that, but, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. like much what a of, playful narcissist, right? Well, most of the the most of the comedic perspectives that a person can adopt that are successful have some type of a flaw in them. That that's mm. what's funny about it is that like you're too much of something that we agree upon is like mm -hmm. a bad characteristic mm -hmm. and you're letting yourself be that. Mm -hmm. So um, for him, that's like this self-obsession and the idea that like every uh, person on the street selling newspaper was put there to yeah. amuse him. And like, if they're not doing that well, then that's a flaw in the design <laughs> of the world. And that's like, like that. one lens that he employs um, to find the fun in situations. Yeah. I would like to challenge myself to invent a lens for myself mm -hmm. along those lines to help me create more comedic observations. So I'll, I'll try to report back on that for next week. Um, I think that my lens, or well, you can have multiple comedic sure, perspectives, sure. but one that I've identified in myself as one that comes up pretty often is the um, unnecessarily thorough analysis of a, inconsequential problem <laughs> just for the sake of doing work yes, on something yes. and like being 100% accurate it's when 95% the... is totally fine. It's the core of this podcast, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, it's, it's a big uh, component of my sense of humor that yeah. I find uh, both true for me and that I've, mm -hmm. it's like one of my defense mechanisms is mm. intellectualizing things and, um, playing out all the scenarios in yeah. my head and like coming up with every exception and trying to really systematize yeah. things that don't always need that. Yeah. And so it's, um, there's a pain in it for me and like a, a relatability for me that makes me find that type of stuff funny. And there's also a sense of potential mastery for you over this element of yourself that you're like trying to gain more control over and use it more for good rather than for this, the purpose of, not allowing you to engage like it I guess like the the purpose of a defense mechanism right is to like avoid sort of engaging with something and so if mm. if, if you're then subverting this on its head in order to specifically engage with someone and, and make light of this thing I think that that's a really positive I may not be using the term defense mechanism correctly oh, okay uh, do you see them as bad or like uh, something to be overcome. I think they can be over applied, but I think oh, some defense mechanisms are great. Some like, defense mechanisms are great. It just depends on yeah. how you're using it. It'd be like so. Yeah, running is a great thing to do, but not in traffic or like not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's totally situational. Like the behavior of having a defense mechanism and using it can defend you from potentially fatal situations or you know, great pain that you don't. It, right. It's totally right. Avoidable and great to do that. But I think that. In general, you kind of advance or grow into healthier defense mechanisms, like but then sublimation, like right? Creating sublimation art is, is kind of like the end all be all. What everybody wants their defense mechanism to be, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So just a quick definition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sublimation. Tell the dum dums out there. <laughs> sublimation is basically um, converting a sort of th threatening emotion or impulse. Uh, into something productive, into a healthy method of expression. So like Rob said, um, using uh, 
channeling sadness into making a work of art or channeling anger into taking a boxing class. That's sublimation. Yeah. It's transmuting that impulse that otherwise would be harmful into something that society right. deems as like, productive. Right. Um, and I, Cre- I do Something think, generative, some, creating something that could be of value to somebody sure, else sure. or yourself. I mean, I think that even in the case of sublimation, the idea is not to over-rely on any defense mechanism and, and really to get to the root of things because once you feel more confident and capable of actually like addressing the underlying stuff, there's not mm-hmm. as much need to protect because the sensitivity, you know, kind of goes away. It takes the sting gotcha. out of it once you get more practiced at like, oh, how do I actually deal with anger? How do I actually deal with sadness? And how do I change the circumstances in my life so that that stuff isn't being generated disproportionately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, like I said, some defense mechanisms are predominantly more healthy than others. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the bad ones? <laughs> um, I guess I, I do hesitate to put like a judgment because let's, let's we all just, need them at some point. Let's just lay out a hierarchy of defense mechanisms. <laughs> that could be this episode. You know what one frustrates just, me? <laughs> what, I'll tell you what one what, frustrates me what the gets, most personally. Denial. Denial, I think, is the hardest one for me. It it can be sort of an elementary place in terms of like, well, this isn't even happening to me, so I'm just going to ignore it. And I live in a world that's, you know, maybe maybe too excessively focused on getting to the bottom of every single thing with as much honesty and authenticity as possible Mm -hmm. because sometimes I find myself overwhelmed by it. But... Um, yeah, but denial, you know, I've, I've certainly found myself in various, um, thicknesses of layers of denial in different parts of my life. And I'm sure there are things going on in my life now that I'm still somewhat in denial of, but maybe more unconsciously. Um, what about you? What is your least favorite defense mechanism? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm with you right now. I can't think of another one that okay. bothers me more than denial. <laughs> Projection uh, is another big one um, that that can yeah. be really nasty where you um, are experiencing something in yourself and you aren't really willing to acknowledge it or deal with it. So you uh, act as if it's happening to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you project that feeling onto them and treat them like they're the Right. That problem. to me is kind of like denial plus – it's, it's it, denial. Denial plus. is included in that package deal, but you also <laughs> right, get right. Uh, transference. Is that what it's or just uh, yeah, projection? Yeah, on its own. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Elaine Debaton has a video about how what makes people boring in conversations. Ooh, and please. He's like, it's it's when the listener consciously or subconsciously evaluates that the person speaking is. Um, is denying some truth like their mm. their way of seeing themselves is not at all aligned with how other people see them and that becomes exhausting to hear a person talk about how much they were victimized by something and you know that they were being an asshole in that situation yeah. or like any type of misalignment of that where a person's situation is obviously it's so frustrating <laughs> and it's like hearing a person talk in that conversation just makes people not want to pay attention at all. I actually find it really fascinating and amusing when I am with someone mm-hmm. and they are recounting to someone, some third party, a story that also I was there for that like also happened yeah. to me and to hear what they focus on, the ways that they frame it and the things that they neglect to tell that to me are, you know, kind of essential to the truth of it yeah. is always fascinating because it gives you such a direct, um, 
way of looking at how does this person filter information and, and what are they kind of, what's the narrative that they're trying to curate right, about right. themselves? Yes. What's their pretension in this moment? How do they want to appear? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I just, mm. you know, I just look right at them and I just kind of smile and nod and like, yeah. And if they miss, a, if they miss something that's like obvious that I feel compelled to chime in on, yeah, I will. Call them out on that shit. But I, don't, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want it to be, I never want it to be like insulting or embarrassing. Um, Ever? I don't know. There are some situations uh, where maybe. I think it's okay to insult or embarrass somebody. <laughs> okay. What are they? Um, If they're blatantly lying in a way mm -hmm. that would influence another person's behavior and you can see them trying to manipulate somebody in that moment. Really? Yeah. What would you say? That, what would the manipulation have to be? Um... <clears throat> okay, they're getting someone to commit to either like hiring them or mm, dating them mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. sleeping with them or mm -hmm. um, something that is not easily reversed or let's say moving in with them as a roommate. And I watch them like totally mistell a story and represent themselves yeah. as, you know, let's say somebody's pretending to be uh like a investment banker or something in order to sleep with a, a friend of mine <laughs> then, right right and the, they're not at all that i'm gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> you're not that <laughs> you don't do that <laughs> you know yeah um well would you ever do it by asking them a very industry specific oh, question oh no, of course i would like to have fun with the exposure and watch them struggle in it <laughs> yeah, define yeah, yeah. hedge fund and then right. just back up <laughs> <laughs> sure can you help me with that yeah and do it in the most innocent way possible yeah um no yeah it just depends on the situation whether i'm gonna toy with it or or sometimes i won't say anything i'm not acting like i'm this much of a hero in every situation you know yeah but can you think of a time when you've lied in order to generate a result like that no okay no <laughs> i'm i'm sure some somebody in my past could tell you of something that i did that reminds them of that but um just making sure you're not projecting what do you mean that like other people overplacing your frustration? Well, actually, that's you know what? That's actually re reaction formation is another defense mechanism where um, basically a trait about yourself that you don't like something related to something you experience personally. Oh, like you get uh, uh, excessively upset when like someone else okay. is doing it. That's yeah. not a, that's a more specific definition. That's not like the whole umbrella thing. But the example I always use is um, people who are get are very uh, angry about stamping out uh, homosexuality because they are uncomfortable with the part of themselves that is a little gay. Is a little gay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's my favorite example of reaction formation. Hopefully it adds some clarity. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Thank you. Um, sorry, was there a question? Or I forgot. I've lost our thread. No, we were. I was asking you if there was a time when you know that you had like lied someone or oh. lied to someone or manipulated someone to get a certain result, and no. you said you can't think of anything. No, this is a dead I, end. I'm not that type of person. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't not, think so either. It's not in my wheelhouse of tricks. Um, no, I will do it in some situations when I think that there's like an unfair rule or policy in play in an institution. Mm. Then, uh, like, okay, this guy wouldn't let me into this fringe festival mixer oh, yeah. the other night. He was like, oh, no, it closes in 20 minutes and I can't let anyone else in. 
And then somebody came up and was like, hey, I left my credit card at the bar. Can I go back in to like get it and close out my tab? He was like, yeah, sure. And this is right after I had asked him to get in. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I left my credit card in there, too. Can you let me in? He was like, no, you didn't. You just asked me. And I was like, I know. I'm lying. Let me in. (laughs) Your policy is dumb. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like that, that type of shit, I'll play those if it's something that I roll my eyes at it if i don't respect the you're not hurting rules of the institution and somebody is needlessly like making me pour out my water bottle before i go into a bar that one really bothers me it's like i need to bring water everywhere that i go if you're gonna provide me free water in there great but like i'm not buying drinks and i have a right to drink water <laughs> so fuck you guys <laughs> i'm bringing my water <laughs> bottle in there i'm not smuggling alcohol you weren't making any money off of me anyway <laughs> popular customer yeah, I, I like the line, I have a medical condition that requires me to drink from this water bottle. <laughs> really? Do people Are people like, oh. Um, uh, no, I don't have any good stories or reactions to that. Oh, but okay. I did have a narcoleptic friend who would use that. And she had like some type of um, amino acids in the water bottle that would help her stay oh. awake. And she was like, I medically need to have this on me. And I was like, well, I medically need water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would die if I went without this for more than a day. <laughs> Um, I think you should come up with a fancy Latin name for that condition. Mm. Okay. Um, Something with hydro in it. Yeah. I don't know anything else. Yeah. I'm going to ask Sarah about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. She'll come up with something good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. All right. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. We got a question today that was sent to us in our email. I want to remind everybody listening that you can email us your questions at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. I'll read it. Okay, this is from Princess Guacamole is the name that they've chosen for themselves. Hey, advice givers. The topic is annoyance. I've always been someone who gets annoyed rather easily. For a long time, I thought I was just annoyed because, well, people are annoying. Eventually, I realized that 99% of the time, my annoyance was less about the annoyer and more about me. Generally, I fostered a lot more patience and acceptance, particularly towards strangers and things out of my control. But, of course, I still get annoyed or frustrated at times. And the things that tend to irk me most easily are the people closest to me. My parents, my partner, my well-meaning friends. I hate to be bogged down in my own petty irritation. Am I overanalyzing something that's perfectly normal in all close relationships? How do you deal with annoyance? And on the flip side, what's the best way to handle your partner's and friend's annoyances? Because if I'm working hard to work through what annoys me, then I'd hope they'd be doing the same to foster patience for me. Is that fair? Forever and always, Princess Guacamole. All right. Princess brings us a great point about projection. Mm. Yeah. What's that? Projecting in the middle of the question, uh, she was saying that she realized that a lot of the annoyance she was projecting on other people was actually things within her. Okay. Yeah. So like, it's a great example. Assuming that they're getting annoyed or the no, things no, that... no. The things that they're doing are annoying her because of something within oh, her. I thought you that were saying that was reaction formation. I get those mixed up. Oh, um, they're related. Uh, reaction formation is like deciding that, no, yeah, 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 I guess it is. I guess it is. I guess it is. That's how you had just explained it. I think a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so the thing that we're mentioning here, um, something that a therapist recently pointed out to me about being bothered about people is that if you're really annoyed by someone's behavior, you can often find that there it is a part of your, it resembles a part of yourself that you have right. trouble accepting. Right. And if you can do a better job of accepting all parts of yourself, including your shadow side and the things that you think are unhelpful to you, then you can have more acceptance for other people. So yes. I'd like to start this one out with a actionable advice, and then we can get into more theory mm -hmm. of um, loving kindness meditation, what is mm. called Meta, M-E-T-T-A. If you want to look that up online, I'm sure you can find them in whatever meditation app you use or on SoundCloud or YouTube. Um, try starting the day with a 10-minute loving-kindness meditation. A lot of them will start with um, someone who you believe wants good things for you and who loves you, whether that's a parent or someone that's just very trusted, a mentor, and you'll imagine sending love their way and wishing good things for them and hoping that they can be happy and feel safe. And then it'll move down the ladder through somebody who you don't really know that well but see from time to time and then to somebody who challenges you and who is a nemesis or an enemy or an, uh, an obstacle for you. And then mm -hmm. it will have you um, feel those things about yourself as well. Right. And then radiate right. it out to the world and imagine wishing that for everybody who's alive and all living beings. Yeah. That can be, if you, it, it sounds very woo-woo to some people and like, <laughs> oh, what am yeah. I going to go full hippie and spend the rest of the day smoking doobies in the garden? Like, <laughs> you can. You can. You I think that would be a lovely afternoon. You. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you're uh, pretending to be a high-powered investment banker, this may feel like a silly way to start your morning. Uh, if you're <laughs> pretending to be. You know, like the guy in the example I gave earlier. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this may feel out of character for you. You may have to overcome some internal resistance to doing something that sounds so strange or so touchy-feely. But <clears throat> I believe that this can be a very powerful tool for accepting others. It's just practicing this in the morning before anyone does anything that bothers you. I got this from uh, the charisma myth, which I referenced, I think, in the last yeah, episode. So yeah. this book has been coming up a lot for me recently. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, loving kindness, and it's it's loving kindness meditation. I what did I say? No, you did say that. Oh, I just it sounds like love. Lo and, it sounds like gotcha. love and kindness, um, and it, sometimes it's abbreviated LKM. And mm. love those briefs. <laughs> love them. Um, but yeah, it's a really powerful tool for basically forcing you to generate a feeling of sort of compassion and warmth. Mm -hmm. um, for someone who it's easy to feel that for, um, like a relative you feel really fondly towards, someone who you have an uncomp very uncomplicated relationship towards. Yeah, Maybe that, that keyword comes up a lot. Uncomplicated. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like I have my clients do this sometimes a with dog. like a dog. Can be sure, a good yeah, it one. can be a pet. Um, it can be a baby in your life. That's often helpful, especially if you're I wouldn't recommend that. Okay, well I am recommending it mm, because <laughs> Okay. Bringing, bringing babies into your meditation session is just a recipe for a disaster. Okay. Um, disagree. But it helps you to uh, see <laughs> when you when you segue into looking at yourself, yeah. it helps you connect with your own inner child mm -hmm. um, where you think about like, oh, I would I would take I would feel uh, compassion for and love for this baby because 
there's this sense of, oh, this baby hasn't done anything to deserve being treated poorly or being judged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this representation of full, like, innocence. We and don't really uh, um, prescribe free will or, or ascribe free will to babies. They don't. We don't see them as being responsible for their right. decisions. They're not like choosing yet. Right. Um, and so thinking of yourself and and other people that might annoy you in these same terms of like, oh, we're all kind of just products of these circumstances in our lives and and are probably doing our best, um, and can have some compassion for the circumstances that have arisen to shape other people and yourself into the people that you are in the present. Um, so I think that's a great recommendation. Um, I, I have some trouble um, relating to this question a little bit just because although sometimes annoyance is evoked for me, it's often something else. Like I'm, I'm often uh, – more the person more concerned about evoking annoyance for someone else than than who's evoking it in me Mm. because i guess i always kind of like have just swallowed that sense of like or more often than not swallowed that sense of like oh someone's doing something that's bothering me i often assume i could be doing something different to evoke that type of behavior and what could i tinker with in order to get a different outcome for them but I think that over assumes control of the circumstances. Like sometimes what someone else is doing has literally nothing to do with me. Um, but I do think a lot of times we can, our interactions are filtered through our previous experiences and, and what other people have done to us and what are our conceptions of ourselves. And generally to encourage a, um, a less judgmental attitude overall is helpful to decrease feelings of annoyance by other people evoked by other people. Yes. And I want to ask you if, uh, when do you feel annoyance? Can you think of a situation recently or prominently in your mind that, um, do you feel like you have a right to be annoyed by things? Often I don't. What about if someone lets you down in a romantic relationship? Does that yeah, that happens all the time. And what's what emotion do you attach to that? Because I've heard disappointment. Okay, more than annoyance. And then again, if it is like disappointment, disappointment or annoyance, I will often try to, in order to falsely kind of give myself the reins back, imagine like what can I do to to change this behavior either to not engage with this person um or to treat them differently mm-hmm. and to see if i can prevent that to, to be more appealing to them or um you know reduce my expectations to not be disappointed or annoyed when someone doesn't act in accordance with what i want which isn't great <laughs> i'll be mm-hmm. honest <laughs> it's not a great way to go okay um i'm trying to parse out the difference between disappointment and annoyance now uh i mean the tone to me like disappointment is more like sadness uh, and and i got this yeah go ahead how are you feeling right now (laughs) uh self-conscious okay (laughs) mostly um but please yeah um i think that annoyance 
is hope followed by anger and disappointment is hope followed by sadness. Mm, mm-hmm. But both of them require an expectation, expectation. of something good yeah. first. Um, so people will try and shield themselves from others' annoyance or disappointment by lowering their expectations yeah. or asking them not to expect me. I do this, especially at the start of romantic relationships because I am afraid of disappointing or annoying people in yeah. the same way that I think you um, mentioned about annoyance. Mm-hmm. For me, disappointment's a bigger one, though, than annoyance. Yeah. Um, yeah, so is it indicative of your general tendency towards anger or sadness? Yes. yes. Morgan yes. is nodding, yes. I'm rarely angry. I'm more often sad. Or or I'm angry at myself. It's, it's the direction of it is normally... Sometimes even if I feel it might be appropriate to send mm-hmm. it outwards, it often ends up coming back in at me and I think it's twofold um you know being raised in an environment where I was made to feel like people other people's emotions were my responsibility so there's that that creates more of a sense of oh I can't change uh like this other I'm going to be disappointed so like I need to take responsibility for all these and be you know have some sense of control over these circumstances in order to feel safe and then the second thing being um, tending towards sadness over anger anyway. Because, again, not being allowed to, like, express those kinds of, um, I don't know, emotions. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to because observing my parents for a long time being so uh, conflict-oriented with each other and yelling and stuff. And I just... It just didn't look good. And I know that I work with a lot of people who, um, you know, I think are afraid to experience anger because of the models that were given right. to them. You've seen Inside Out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, spoiler alert, if anybody... <laughs> what? No, that's sincere. No, you're right. It's, you're right. That's a you're movie right. worth seeing. And if you haven't seen it and you want to, uh, skip past this section. That movie is about the value of sadness Sadness is the unexpected hero of the movie, and um, it's the, the story tells us that sadness is useful because uh, when a person feels hurt, if they allow themselves to feel and express sadness, it brings other people closer to them and allows yeah. them to heal. Um, I would love to see an inside out about the value of anger mm. because it's yeah. it's something that I've always felt is an immature mm. sadness that like. Anger is just um, a person who's uncomfortable with sadness, dealing with their hurt in that way. Mm. But I think that there is value. It's definitely, a, it it has more speed to it. And there are some situations when that's important because yeah. there's a narrow window of opportunity where your reaction can make things better. And if anger motivates you to react quickly, um, you could save a life, you could, yeah. you know. Yeah. These aren't situations that I find myself yeah. in every day. Yeah. But there's a, a good evolutionary reason that we experience anger. And um, I'd like to see, I would like to write even, you know, that I should stop asking for other people to create the things that I want to see. But um, a yeah. story about the value of that emotion. My, <laughs> uh, one of my old supervisors um, on the psych unit of the hospital that I worked at, mm-hmm. she did a fantastic group about anger. Uh, and would talk about how anger can be such a productive emotion. It can help us to identify when injustice has occurred yeah. and to motivate change. 
in a way that another emotion, like you said, that's not as strong can't do. And, you know, annoyance is kind of, I guess, the baby brother of anger in that sense, where it's like, if something that someone does annoys you, it could really be indicating a pattern of behavior in them that you wish to change. And you may have legitimate reasons for wanting that to change. Maybe it's maybe it's small instances of feeling disrespected or um, I don't know, some some second example. <laughs> yeah, is, is annoyance anything but muted anger? Good question. Like anger at a low volume. Does anything different happen in your body or the way that you'd want to react between being annoyed and being angry? Like, what does annoyance feel like in your body? Yeah, uh, ball up my fist slightly, clench my jaw a little bit, ruffle my nose for a second, but don't keep it that way. It's like it's all the yeah. reactions of anger, just not embraced yeah. in like yeah. you know, fists flying and yeah. screaming. It's uh, just a slight, like a little bit louder in my tone of voice, a little bit firmer. Yeah. It's like a baby step towards anger in my mind. For me, it's more of like a crawling, itchy kind of just like, oh, like. Oh, so there's disgust yeah. in there too yeah. for you with annoyance. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I'd love to do a day where we just uh, posture, where we suggest emotional equations. <laughs> like this emotion is this after this uh-huh. or this minus that. <laughs> That'd be cool. Okay. I'd do you like think that we could fill, fill a whole episode with just that? Definitely. Okay. I'm not we, that confident. This could be a series. <laughs> no, that that's a book. I mean, yeah, it could be a book. Absolutely. Like, Short. I mean, they write entire books on just jealousy or. That's true. You know, like, yeah, definitely. No, right. could. <laughs> would it be the best? Me, would this be the best medium for that? Um, That's just what we're doing. Yeah, maybe not. I think it would be an interesting conversation and we could put them out as special episodes or whatever, you know? Uh, <laughs> Jealousy just, is sexy anger. <laughs> I would like to have that conversation with you. I think you'd be yeah. a great person to work that stuff yeah. out with yeah. and come up with examples for it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. So, yeah, exactly. If you'd rather write it into a book or whatever, <laughs> fine. But I definitely wouldn't rather write it into okay. a book. <laughs> These would be cool because they could be like standalone episodes for weeks that we have something else. It doesn't need to be timely or be responding to somebody's yeah, question fair. in the moment. And then we could put that out like over Christmas or whenever we're not going to yeah. meet. Yeah. Just a thought. Totally. Um, so <clears throat> I want to get back to yes. um, Princess Guacamole's question. Yes. Because um, I feel like we've been kind of like dancing around it and we've pulled out a couple of the threads. But um, what? let's look back to the core of what she's really asking for and how can we help her would you like me to reread? The yeah, maybe the end? bottom part. Yeah. Yes. Um, am I overanalyzing mm. something that's perfectly normal in all close relationships? Oh, to be annoyed in close relationships. Yeah. There's two quick yeah. parts of that question. One, is it normal? Two, am I overanalyzing it? Um, it is normal to of be annoyed. Course. Yes. Yeah. And I think that what is the double edged sword, let's say, of close relationships is that when you get the intimacy that, um, you know, of, of a close relationship where, you know, you can really exchange with someone on a deep level, you know each other's flaws, foibles, you spend a lot of time together, um, you understand them. That does open the door for more experiences with them to be sort of negative or to irk you because it's like you're holding so much information about them and you also have a lot of history that mm-hmm. potentially uh, – would compound any triggers that you initially 
had with them that, you know, a, a more superficial relationship you would never kind of necessarily get into. Like you encounter more situations with them, like you're, you know, staying in the same house or even sharing a bed if it's your partner or, you know, having sex, other things where it's like there's this this intimacy and intensity and openness and vulnerability that just allows for so much mixing and mingling of, of people's different points of view. Um, and so I think, of course, there are going to be bumps in that melding process the more you interact. Um, this uh, question reminds me of the argument for pessimism, that huh. perhaps you are expecting things to be too ideal and if you started each day imagining how <laughs> terribly wrong it could go mm -hmm. and you would feel less uh, yeah yeah less upset every time that somebody was five minutes late perhaps more realism than pessimism no maybe. pessimism you want it to be pessimism this the argument that i'm recalling is not right. my own and oh, it's an argument okay. for pessimism okay as a shoot low <laughs> really though of like, <laughs> yeah. imagine all the things that yeah. can go bad and you will be calm the rest of the day because you're not expecting that everyone will be perfectly on time and everything runs. It's a way of freeing yourself from that constant disappointment. Yeah. 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 So I think that if you, if you're aware of in each of these specific relationships, like your mom, your partner, your close friends, what are the things that tend to annoy you? Like specifically the annoyances and maybe even writing them down so yes. that they're just, definitely they're not down. new things that you have to analyze and go into every time they bubble up right. it's just something that you can go oh that's on my list like i'm just yeah. noting that that's happening that's number one um or that's number two or that's number three right. keep, and it's happening keep the list on the fridge and that's okay on a magnet. <laughs> not somewhere where they can see it ideally um but just having that internal classification system of like this isn't a new issue it's just it's bumping up against something I'm aware is there yeah. and you know, there may be a solution or a way to kind of massage yes. that experience to make it better for yourself, right. but and identifying at, at, it at as that point, known. once you've uh, put multiple check marks next to the same behavior that you've, mm. you've already listed, then it's time for you to start coming up with a request to mm. ask that person. Then you can nonviolently communicate. Hey, yes. I've seen you do X. And when you do it, I feel blank. I need blank. So could you please blank? Right. But sometimes when we when we don't when we don't write things down or we don't have that data collection system yeah. where we're not noticing the behavior enough or we're not aware how much we're noticing it or we're in denial, mm -hmm. um, you never get over that hump of feeling like, oh, this is something worth bringing up to them. Because often we convince ourselves like in the moment, oh, it's fine. But over and over and over again, especially if it's something that you know that a request for them to change it would be pretty easy. Sometimes we build things up in our heads to be like these giant monsters and, you know, really it would be a matter of a request that someone would be happy to fulfill. Yeah. Um, and so I think doing the self-assessment piece of knowing, okay, what is my real, what's the real cost of allowing this annoyance to go unexamined um, will really help motivate you to be like, you know what, that actually is costing me a lot of my energy, a lot of my sanity. Um, and it probably wouldn't cost, it might not cost them as much to make small changes. Mm -hmm. Um, but in that differentiation process, I'm sure you'll encounter things that maybe it, it's disproportionate in the other way. Your annoyance is disproportionate and the cost of that, you know, do you know what I'm saying? 
um, <laughs> it's something that they hold very dearly and yeah. you're not that annoyed by it right. and you need to maybe just be aware that that's a problem for you for some other reason. Yes. Um, and as a second step, you may find a lot of growth in following that other reason, digging down that rabbit hole of, okay, why is this a problem for me? Anytime yeah. that you find yourself resisting an uncomfortable emotion, it is a good sign that, that emotion is a road to some type of self-discovery and self-knowledge that can mm -hmm. help you navigate your life better from that point on. If you're brave enough and humble enough to follow it where it leads you, it's like a thread on the edge of a shirt that mm -hmm. is annoying. You can take your scissors and just cut off the thread or you can pull on it and unravel the whole shirt and show the world your beautiful tatas. <laughs> I was wondering what the positive conclusion of that was going to be. Sharing your milk. Sharing your milk. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's great. Mm -hmm. um, These babies out there are thirsty. Uh, yeah. Another reason not to meditate on babies. You start meditating on them, they're going to start crawling down your inside and in milking from the, from the inside out. Totally. Come right out totally. of your head in that beautiful, happy place that you've put yourself in mentally. Baby will start crawling down your face, down your throat. Oh, now it's sucking milk from the inside. <laughs> And it's pooping in you. <laughs> it's pooping inside of you. Now you got a, a sh baby shit heart. Um, Good luck loving somebody with that. So Having listen. to tell them that right before you have sex for the first time. Hey, uh, I just want you to know, <laughs> a couple months ago I was diagnosed with baby shit heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not contagious. But, but you will need permanent. to change my diaper after sex. <laughs> yeah. um, so I found out recently, right. I didn't know this, but... Um, I was uh, an emergency C-section. Okay. And C-section babies. Oh, you too? Yeah. We'll have five in the middle of our table. Mine was planned, but oh, okay, okay. So I got that sexy birthday, February first. Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I shit in the womb. Ooh, you did. Yeah. Don't babies shit all the time in the womb? How do babies get rid of their waste? They're not. I think it goes in and machines. out of the. I think it's oh, the umbilical cord. Okay. Um, and so your I your first shit is right after you're born. Interesting. I this is fascinating. I really I don't know, but I I, I did I did something, and they had to like get me out immediately because there was a risk that I would like breathe it, ingest it, and like die. Um, that would be so. Yeah. Really shit the bed on this one. <laughs> yeah, just choke on your own shit and die. Yeah, it's Morgan move right before there. Before I even get into the air, <laughs> before I'm even free of amniotic fluid. Yeah. Ugh, the worst. <laughs> Can't you do anything right? Can't you do anything right? <laughs> Are you just like shitting in your own, <laughs> sitting in your own filth, <laughs> shitting in your own air all the time? Atmospheces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. I know. I was like, wow, starting with like shame, toxic shame from an early age. <laughs> um, anywho, um, let's get back to. Okay. That was part one of the questions. Right, right, right. How do you deal with annoyance? Okay. Right, right. So me personally, like rarely feel it. And when I do, sometimes stomach it. Um, but every once in a while, I collect, like I said, collect enough data to be like, okay, probably if I said something to this person about like, okay, here's an example. Rob always leaves my toilet seat up. Mm -hmm. And did I today? I have no idea. Did not. <laughs> okay. Um, this is because I finally brought it up to him because I realized yeah. It's if it's something that bothers me, it's stupid not to say anything because 
it's an easy action for him to correct, right? Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't hurt me. Doesn't hurt him at all. I mean, it doesn't annoy me that much. I can just, I can also just put the toilet seat down. But there's so many times in life where I tell myself, well, I could just put the toilet seat down. And I don't bother to say, you know what? I actually really think, especially in my house, it's your responsibility to put the toilet seat down if you found it down. It's silly. Um, but it's it's about taking all of those opportunities to kind of validate to yourself that your voice matters and like the things that will help your life run a little smoother and won't inconvenience or hurt anyone else are worth doing. And it's worth inconveniencing or hurting other people a little some, even a lot at times. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on depends on how. I was about to say a little bit, and then I was like, oh, minimizing it. Sometimes it will really. Yeah, hurt sometimes it really. Hurt. Like a breakup. Still, still can ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a major inconvenience and That's a major pain for the person that you're breaking up with, and it's lots worth of errands and chores. If you're unhappy or believe you'd be happier in another situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should talk about maybe should we talk about times where you shouldn't, or should we move to what should she do when? Um, her, the uh, the question about other people in her life having the same experience of being annoyed. What direction um, would you, which branch I, I would like you like to the, choose? the times when you shouldn't. When yeah. should you not express to a person a mm -hmm. request? When they're dealing with something that they or you evaluate as more important at the moment and that seems yeah. to be taking up all their mental space. So if that day that Morgan... If I'd come over here having just been dumped and I was distraught and Morgan started or interrupted me even worse to ask if I could start putting the toilet seat down, I'd be like, really? Is that is that really the priority right now? Is that like your yeah. pain over that is, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. So do you do you feel like there are other things other than timing? So the best time to this? complain to somebody is when they're really happy. <laughs> you want to really just shit all over their good mood. Yeah. No, when they're at peace. Is really what? Okay. I think. I don't know. And it's not like the first moment of peace that they've gotten in a long time, but once they're kind <laughs> of like. When they're chilling. <laughs> yeah, once they're back to their normal, whatever that is. I mean, do you think that there are certain types of requests or annoyances that by and large are just things that we need to just get used to and stomach? Hmm. Um, there are some things that you should own as your problem is how I would word that. Yeah. Uh, when it like deviates from the norm, I've done this with the sound of people eating. Oh, there are times uh -huh. when I think uh, when I'm judging it as under their control and they can close their mouth, and then like your jaw, for instance, makes a noise <laughs> yes. while you're eating. But I'm like, she doesn't have any control over that. That's my issue. That's not something that I should ask her to fix for me. I certainly can't fix it. Right, and I um, don't. It's, so I have dealt with that pretty effectively of within myself. Yeah. Just like, that's something I accept. I like this person and I would rather eat near them than be away from them when we're eating <laughs> so that I don't have to experience that amount of annoyance that I feel. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And Can you describe to me the exact feeling of annoyance when my jaw clicks? Um, describe the feeling. Uh, tensing. Mm. Um shrugging up of my shoulders okay. uh like either spreading my fingers or balling okay. them up what like okay so what is it about the jaw that that gives you that very physical sort of 
visceral. What is it about the jaw? I, I yeah. don't think that it's like the jaw is a bad. I think well, this that, example. Um, why I'm sensitive to the yeah. sound of people eating yeah. is because okay. I believe that was taught to me as a kid, and I'm modeling my mom's okay. reaction to it. Is okay. That um, you don't chew with your mouth open or talk with food in your mouth or yeah. uh, make any kind of noise like that. That like I was taught disgust at those things. Okay, so is that something that you feel like it's disrespectful to like me? Like you personally. would want to change that in order to be less bothered by people that oh, are going to do it anyway. I want to be less bothered by it. Okay, and I have made some improvement in that area. Okay, how? I would love to. I think that probably PG here would love to hear it as well. Um, recognizing that it's something that I struggle with. Yeah, and that knowing the of, origins. A lot helpful. of people do. Yes, uh, seeing where it came from. Asking myself logically, like, does it do anything that, is it that bad? Yeah. Um, like, what does it prevent me from doing? And right. is that something that's like a physical barrier or is it something that I can overcome mentally? Yeah. Um, in this case, I think that it's mentally. It was also helpful to me just to hear that a lot of other people experience this mm. and have it as a huge pet peeve. And then I've even read that it's like a, a genetically linked thing that certain people have a gene that makes them really dislike the sound of other people's chewing. Huh. Uh, it seems like a weird thing to... But, yeah, yeah. Um, and in my case, like, a, a general slide towards more liberalism and openness. Yeah. Of, like, not needing everything to be perfectly in order and clean and pristine. Like, allowing... Uh, like going camping and seeing the beauty in eating with dirty hands or, you know, just like, like recognizing, reprioritizing things yeah. has helped me right. um, let go of some of that control. Yeah. I think that that kind of uh, is a parallel to what you were saying where about me, where you were like, well, I made the, I made, I weighed the two options of like, well, I want to eat close to you and this thing bothers me and you can't help it. So therefore like I need to make that judgment call of, is it worth more to, for me to do this or is it worth more yes. for me to do this? Um, and I think that's a great system for evaluating with some extent of like of objectivity. Okay, what are the factors at play here? Um, because it also helps you to really zero in on all the, f I just said that, I don't know. You're good. I, sometimes I, I say a full sentence and I'm like, did I just say the same thing two times in a row in the exact same way? Sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> sure. I do. Yeah. I love you anyway. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of going through that process and s identifying, okay, what things go in the column of things that I can't control or can't request to be changed and yeah. what things go in the column of things that I can either understand better for myself and therefore release my attachment to or just allow, just yeah. permit. Um, with eating... I, my dad was a really messy eater and my mom was like a super clean freak, neat freak and had a lot of rules and like issues with the, the ways that my dad would, yeah. would do that. And so I've, I internalized a lot of that stuff and, and found, started to find the way that my dad ate to be gross. Yeah. And I recognize now that that was like an internalization, just like you said, of my mom's rule system and that, that sense that, um, well, he just should be doing it differently and how dare he he i don't i don't know like be outside of the 
behave outside of the bubble of um like containment and i could it got to the point where i could like feel the physical repulsion kind of like what you were saying mm -hmm. just in the way that he chose to eat as if it was something that was a personal attack on me yes and i totally took that on for my mom and mm -hmm. it doesn't affect me in the slightest and i wonder if there's even a way to kind of like incrementally scale back instead of just because sometimes you can't be like well this is silly i should just drop it you know, I know that it's annoys me and it's not um, justified because you can't always just write when you become conscious of something, totally put it down. So in that case, it would be like, OK, like, can I uh, observe him eating that way and just be in the same room? And like, OK, so what are the things that are gross about that? OK, can I sit a little bit closer to him? OK, can I can I try to rewrite rewrite some of the scripts in my head about, you know, why this is a problem? Yeah. Um, kind of an exposure therapy mm -hmm. you're, you're suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, I want to also point out if it's specifically with a partner. Yeah. Um, but in all these relationships, the, it's often about something deeper. If, if something keeps annoying you and it doesn't feel like that annoys you about everybody. Yeah. Um, it's never about the dishes is I think the expression when you have a fight yeah. with your partner. Uh, if you're mad at them for leaving a dirty dish in the sink, it's probably not about the, the dish isn't that big of a deal. But if that if you believe that that is symbolic of a representative of something else, some need yeah. of yours that they're not meeting, the dish will hurt to see it there. Because um, maybe it's that you feel like they don't consider you, that they don't think of how things will affect you. And seeing yeah. that dish is just another sign of that belief. And then as much as possible, you should try to get to the root of that uh, issue in conversation with them and explain that feeling to them yeah. rather than just complaining about the dish and then being like, why do you freak out about dish? It's not that big of a deal. There's, right. a, there's always, it's a proxy battle. Yes. I used to listen to this fantastic podcast that I don't think has released any new episode in like years, but it was well, called Honey. Yeah. And, um, this girl would interview couples about their fights mm -hmm. and she was, she would frequently encounter like similar types of fights. And one of them was like the dishes or like chores. Yeah. Um, another category of fights was driving. And then another one was um, board games. And she <laughs> kind of theorized that the arguments that were about chores like dishes were about splitting responsibilities. Yeah. Sometimes one partner thinks that there's an inequitable split of responsibilities. And so that dish always being left in the sink is like you said, you don't care about me. You don't value my time. You're not taking responsibility yeah. for what you need to take responsibility of. That line isn't in the middle of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. The second one about driving is, is issues of control. Yeah. Um, and then the third one with board games is how seriously do you take rules? Um, and understanding that, that those different things were, like you said, proxy battles for these larger potential incompatibilities or just discrepancies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coming to terms with, okay, some things we can bridge the gap a little bit and come to an understanding and develop solutions, but some things we're going to have to just agree to disagree on. Yeah. And, you know, in some partnerships or some relationships in your life, it becomes not possible. The toxicity that's evoked from those, what starts as sort of little annoyances can add up and it can, you can wake up one day and you're 
in a situation where it's all negative things and you've let those things like consume and overtake the positive things that you're getting out of a relationship. So there's, I guess I just want to point out that annoyances aren't always just these like, you know, cute little things that we can deal with and put in a nice little box. Like sometimes it's more than that. And I think it's important to pay attention to the balance of um, annoyances versus like pleasures of any relationship that you're in. I agree. Yeah, do some type of a pros and cons list. And Mm -hmm. it's also normal to be evaluating whether a person is worth the effort of of loving them or Mm -hmm. maintaining the relationship in its current form. It's true of romantic relationships as well as friendships, uh, other types of partnerships. Yeah, well, and with family too. Like family, all of these relationships are more successful when you set appropriate boundaries for you know, how you want to interact with them, how frequently, when, in what contexts, um, what are the rules for, you know, safe play, so to speak, so that you can get, um, you know, you can skew the interactions towards this keeps us both in a place of, you know, joy, enjoyment of each other um, versus territory that's actually harmful for both parties. Yes. I'd like to posit that the fundamental relationship error is putting somebody into a role and set of boundaries that you think that they are supposed to Mm -hmm. uh, adhere to Mm -hmm. rather than um, evaluating the idiosyncrasies of your specific relationship with that individual and designing a role for each other. Yeah, I think this is something that is a huge advantage of the type uh, the relationship model that Rob and I are trying to do, you know, in, in our own lives, not necessarily with each other, but um, of open relationships and polyamory, because it forces you to talk about, okay, what are your boundaries? What do and don't you want me to do with other people? Whereas, you know, most people who just enter in and out of traditionally monogamous relationships never bother to say, hey, what is your definition of monogamy and what is your definition of love? Because there are still discrepancies. And again, expectations that can lead to annoyance and disappointment and anger. Be a general in your own love life, not a foot soldier. (laughs) Don't just take orders from the world you were born into. Decide for yourself what the strategy is. Yeah, don't be a sheep. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the boyfriends are supposed to do this and girlfriends are supposed to do this. That's like good for children who are dating that really like when people are just starting out (laughs) Uh it's nice to give them a script and that's what culture does and it's that's probably an important step along the way but as a person matures you outgrow it hopefully i think a lot of people stay in the adolescent stage of uh totally transactional values and like i give this thing and my partner needs to give me that because that's what either men and women or or, you know whatever they their relationship is that's what they do and that's what it says in, in the love stories that I've read or what the, the <laughs> books that, you know, or the Bible for yeah. many people. Yeah. Um, and that can be tough for you because you live in a different world than the one that those stories were written in, even if they're modern and stories. And stories are stories. Yeah. And they're not, you are not the characters <laughs> in those stories, but a, a good starting point for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But real intimacy which certainly I don't have nearly enough experience. You are the expert on real intimacy. (laughs) I've told my friends. 
as I stated before <laughs> in my uh, TED talk about how yeah. I don't properly understand yet what is my responsibility and yeah. what is other people's responsibility uh, in relationships, um, real intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it? Um, is with real people and not stories. Okay. Um, is that possible? It's not a fantasy. Well. I mean, everything that we do is filtered through right. our perceptions. And so it's like, are we even interacting? Are we just in the matrix? Do we ever really a, touch each a other? A little bit. Uh, kind of not is my answer to right. those two questions. Right. Well, it's like, do we ever really touch each other and interact? Or is there always like, is it just cells touching each other and yeah. interacting with membranes in between them? It's a little semantic-y. You can to never me. totally know a person. You can never really touch them, but you can get closer. And it's, I think it's worth doing. <laughs> Even knowing that you'll never actually make contact. Yeah. It yeah. will feel like you've touched them and they will feel like they were you touched. You will come. And that is important. You may. And <laughs> people have conditions. Right. Um, so I want to talk about when she says on yeah. the flip side, okay. um, what happens on we're the We're probably side. sacrificing lightning round, which I'm totally fine with, but I'm just giving you a warning. <laughs> we can we can talk really fast in the lightning round. <laughs> There's probably not going to be lightning round now, but oh okay. Oh, my God. I'm so sad. It's okay. We can save them. I'll process my disappointment. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. Um, the next question, is that what you're asking? How the, do you do the last it? part oh. of her question. And on the flip side, what's the best way to handle your partner's and friend's annoyances? Yeah. So they're annoyed with you or with other people, perhaps, and they're telling right. you about it? That Or you just perceive it? Well, that sense of like, are are they working on it? Oh, How right, do you right. all of that stuff? Well, what I think, think it's two two separate questions. Okay. What's the best way to receive criticism? Is how I'm right, reading. Right. What's the best way to handle your partner's and friends' annoyances? Yeah. Or receive their gripes about another person, somebody, mm. let's mm -hmm. say, complaining about their husband to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think encouraging them to look at all the perspectives and get as much data out of that as possible the same yeah. way we have um and doing it in a way that <laughs> sort of <laughs> models like compassion and empathy for those circumstances yes um one of the best tools can be advising them to imagine themselves as the person who is annoying them and imagining what might hurt them and what their what might be painful for them and that could encourage some compassion for that individual yeah yeah and validating is always good. Be like, yeah, if you believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 yeah, yeah. Blindly be like, oh, yeah, everything you're feeling is so understandable, and I would be doing the same thing. I mean, that that was that was a good expression of validation, though. Yeah, but I have caught myself slip into doing that automatically before, and right. Sometimes I think it's loving somebody better is challenging them and saying, yeah. "Do you really feel that way?" Or like, Where yeah. Asking them. them. Yeah. And, Asking and them telling, how do you want to be loved. Telling them if to... you think that they're deceiving themselves or that mm. they're full of shit on something, that is a form of loving a person that uh, can be scary to do but can ultimately be helpful to a person. But I think ultimately you have to know from that person, is that their ideal? Because some people don't want that. But some people specifically articulate, yeah, I rely on my Sometimes friends to challenge me. loving a person is giving them something that they don't want. Hmm. Okay. Like, think about uh, parents punishing a kid who's misbehaved. That is still love in my mind. But not but that it has to be that. Power I think difference. that 
I think that in that case, it's more like trusting that the best version of that child, if they were capable of understanding what you're doing, would understand. You know what I mean? But in some way, we parent each other on different topics. Like growth is not sure. linear or in one direct. Like, like there are some things that you are my parent on and I am mm. your parent on because that's just like you have more experience in the psychology space or I have more experience in the comedy or performance space so that like we – yeah. will sometimes push each other and say something that makes them uncomfortable, and that's but, like a form of loving. But we have a grow. spoken and unspoken, I guess, but a spoken agreement that those are our values and that we want the other. That's our, our very much what we see as our role in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. um, and some people may not want that type of thing to come in every friendship they have. Sure. Then I think that they have a right to ask you for that. Um, yeah. but I don't think you need to wait for a person's explicit permission if you're close with them to challenge them and then they can tell you if they don't like that and you can choose to respect sure. that or you can it, cross the line, I guess. Yeah. You are like, it's okay to cross the line with people sometimes yeah. as long as it's not an irreversible thing that's going to like yeah. scar them forever and you can be the judge <laughs> of that. And like <laughs> some things you may scar them forever and it's still not your fault. That inadvertently can happen. <laughs> that's true. In that's affecting true. people. If you are an influential person, you will also cause some damage, and that damage may be a source of great growth for a person, or it may just be something that hurts them until they die and they see it as unnecessary. But like, if you're going to make an impact <laughs> in the world, there will be yeah, some, you're not going to be only positive in yeah. everybody's life. There's gonna be friction, right? Martin Luther King, <laughs> terrible adulterer, but. I have a dream. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I don't know how it was relevant, but yeah. I'm like uh, his, not to get into a huge psychoanalysis of him, but uh, one of the costs of his, he cheated on his wife a lot. Right. And I know what adulterer means. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like um, he was a complete human being who had a great vision and um, right. Uh, right. he sought power and he followed his dream right. and maybe related to that was cheating on his wife. Ah. Like <laughs> there, there is a cost. She's to, like, hey, I'm kind of annoyed because you make all these great speeches, but you keep cheating on me. <laughs> yeah, Feeling exactly. a little annoyed. <laughs> right. And he's like, sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a version of him that is a non-cheater, I think, that is more suppressed. Or, you know, that maybe there was a healthier way for him to deal with that and maybe he doesn't cheat. or I don't know. Um, but you know what I'm trying to get at is that, like, he could have been a much less impactful person and not cheated and not given the speeches and led the marches. <laughs> They may be. I guess I just don't really see the connection Listen. where, like, the, the great speeches follow the cheating. If you're going to speak to that many people in front of the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Monument. You had to have your dick sucked. You have to get your dick wet. You know wet. there's got to be someone under that podium going. <laughs> right. It's just you're, you're right. not going to be right. able to, to put that much oomph into the speech. <laughs> 
I have a wet dream. That's good. Thank you. That's good. You just move a little bit away from the Oh mic. my God. I can't handle that joke again. I don't, I can't handle it again. I don't want to hear, I thought it was over it. I'm I not. I said you can't. I was applauding you for you know, your great joke and everything. It's because. Pulled the rug out from yeah, under you. You know, you know what I think it is? I think what, it does. What? I think even though I acknowledge that I'm loud and all this stuff, yeah. like, oh, teehee, it does like, it does kind of shut me down in the moment. And I struggle with feeling this shut down. This is good, though. With this you're, you're expressing this very well, and, and this is an opportunity for us to model this type of communication for uh-huh. our listeners. So tell me more about. We the love modeling product. that. This, yeah. Well, yeah. So first, it it actually yeah. First, it's like an, that that pang of kind of like annoyance or anger. Okay. Um, but then it's like I don't feel. We have this established joke now, so I don't really feel like I can be like, please don't make that joke. But then, so then I internalize it, and yeah. then I'm just like. Okay, so I either have to like kind of like retaliate in a way that's like humorous or I just kind of my my default that I don't do as much, you know, at this stage of my development is like, okay, like automatically concluding, okay, so therefore no one wants to hear me. Rob specifically doesn't want to hear me. I'm being too loud. I've ruined everything. You know, I go I very quickly go down this like slippery slope that leads to like you're worthless. Do you have any judgments about that reaction? Do I have any judgments about that reaction? Yes. Like that it's stupid? Is that your judgment? I wasn't telling you it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling me it's stupid. Okay, yeah, so you're, yeah, yeah, you're you seeing have... a live thing right now. This is happening. Tell me about it. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. I'm annoyed. I, I start out being annoyed by someone else, mm-hmm. and then I get annoyed by myself, and then I just don't want to fucking deal with myself. Okay. What what do you wish your reaction was? Can you imagine a better indifference. one? Indifference. Total indifference would be great. What would that look like if I go, can you just move a little bit away from the mic? What would you like, do? Like, I don't even know. Because my I'm like, do I give him the finger? Do I have... It's like, am I doing something on the mic that's a reaction to this? Or am I like, do, do, do I even let out a nonverbal signal that I'm frustrated with that um so this annoyance that you experience Mm -hmm. whenever i make this joke um what does it come from being being shushed and told that i was like too loud and all that stuff and do you believe those things and about yourself that you're yeah to some extent yeah what does it mean if you're too loud yeah it goes right to um, like a place of not deserving to have my voice heard, neither the noise itself or the content. And I recognize this is like irrational, emotional bullshit. Like I'm aware of that, of course. I'm not in the. I'm not judging it right now. I'm just. Trying oh, I know to you're not. Talk you through it. Oh, and, I know. And I know. Lay it all out. I right. Think that, that will help you deal with it on your own. Oh yeah. Well, then it just. I I cycle through this like, um, self perpetuating annoyance at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, even if maybe one way of dealing with it would just be like, I would prefer if you didn't make that joke as much. But then I'm avoiding this opportunity for growth. But it's also this like pain point that is uncomfortable and um I don't know maybe I wish I maybe I wish I were more resolved on it I think it was also that that 
I would get like loud and excited when I was like happy about something. And mm-hmm. then that was like the, the expression of mine that got shut down. So I, it led me to conclude like, oh, I should just be like miserable and silent. It's a very cruel thing to do to make fun of a person's laugh or smile <laughs> right. and to make them yes. self-conscious at those moments when yeah. they might finally escape self So you admit that you're cruel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was cruel to you. Cool. Cool. But even uh, being cruel is... Uh, a way to be kind. A way to be kind. I don't know. Now I'm just talking out of my ass. I but, know. Okay. You're talking um, out of my ass. If you'd like to give me advice, I find that sometimes when you uh, hit a dead end or get frustrated with a problem in yourself, you like to focus on other people's issues. Oh, right? me, and personally. Then, yeah, and yeah. then help them with that and listen more, right? Is that sure. not a reaction that you've experienced? Yeah. Um, Say that uh, I take responsibility for the audio portion of this podcast and keeping that up to a certain standard, mm-hmm. both for the listener's experience and for my own portfolio of uh, uh-huh. building work as an audio engineer. You're, you got a real smug smile on your face now. Like, yeah, I'm so oh, annoyed. Geez, where the <laughs> fuck is he about to go with this? Is he about to defend himself and say that I was wrong? <laughs> is that it? No. <laughs> what are please. You no, no. I don't want to even share what I'm thinking. Okay. I don't want to hear a single... Okay. So imagine that I'm... Uh, Making this podcast with somebody else. Yeah. Her name. Um, Dorgan. Can be can be Dorgan. Sure. So I'm, I'm hosting it with this person, Dorgan, who is a great host, has a great voice, says really interesting things, and like once every hour makes a loud <laughs> on noise. On the hour. <laughs> once an hour. On the hour. Makes a loud noise that um, I assume the listeners... Uh, it jars them and brings them out of the flow of the experience and reduces the overall uh, listenability of the podcast and the professional sheen, the like production value of it. What would be the best way for me to address that problem with that person? Hmm. Well, this, well, this becomes a question of like, can I help it or not? You know, can Dorgan help it or not? Is a microphone technique a learnable skill? Hmm. I know the answer. Rob is mouthing. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Because people learn it and teach it. Right. I honestly, you know what? It's funny because we were talking before. I don't even know if it was on this podcast or another podcast. Another, not another podcast. On it was definitely on free advice. I'm Mm. not a part of any other podcasts. This episode or another episode or off mic about how, like, sometimes this process of recording feels really heavy to me, Mm -hmm. and I think it is because I feel restrained volume wise. Okay. So it's connected to a larger problem whereby I don't feel free to um, be that maybe happier, more buoyant, more playful version of myself because I'm kind of trying to keep the volume at a certain place. But then every but then every once in a while. I once every episode, usually I would say, have an outburst that evokes that response. Um, so that I mean, I'm just assuming that then I'm only doing it once per episode or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's lesser times. I don't say it every episode, and there's some episodes where right. there's several laughs that peak. And so, is I guess the question I have is, does the uh, sort of depressed like um 
Does getting a slightly depressed version of me with no peaking audio, like, mm. is that better or, or? It's a false dichotomy. Well, is it? I don't know. Yes, there are radio programs where people laugh big and they just turn their head away from the microphone when they do it. And that's just become a, like a reaction that they're yes. accustomed to of, of not doing it into the microphone. But like, if you know- Are you trying to shame me into retraining my, my laughs? Um, I think I'm trying to teach you how to use the microphone <laughs> system more effectively to capture your expressions <laughs> about that. <laughs> Let's avoid shame at all costs. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It's I, not that you're, you, I'm interested in that. You're topic not. When is shame ever useful? And if, yeah, you know, well, I don't, I mean, I don't think that you're like actively trying to shame me, but I do think it's a, con I think it's a conditioning. I'm, I think you're conditioning me. I have immense love for you and I know. would not try to create an argument that you are bad at your core or like I know try and poke at, I at know. flaws and tell you that that's how I judge you or identify you. Right. right. I think that you make mistakes as, as much as I do or less. Or more, I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to say that just to like placate me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> maybe maybe if we did a better job of identifying, okay, when am I, what are specifically the things yeah. that I'm doing that are doing that and so that I can become more aware of them? Mm -hmm. Because I think right now I'm having trouble differentiating, okay, when is it too much volume? And so then I'm just restraining the whole performance. Yeah. And then and then when I do accidentally like let something out, it's like I don't even know when I'm making a mistake or like I don't even know what leads to that mistake. We could also just invest in a different mic for you. <laughs> really get you a one dynamic for like mic weird loud people <laughs> yeah uh all loud people are not weird may i remind you of freddie mercury who was recently memorialized in a movie called and Bohemian he was definitely Rhapsody. weird and he was but celebrated too and troubled as you are but <laughs> they made a movie about him starring rami malik yeah. I haven't seen any of it, but I heard that... I watched it on a plane. I heard that you shouldn't watch it in that way and that it's really a spectacle. <laughs> and if you watch it on a plane, it's like, what, you're going to watch Avatar on a plane? Okay. Oh, don't watch Avatar if you're going to watch it on a plane. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that I think you should not watch on a plane. <laughs> What's the best genre of movie to watch on a plane? I think... Not horror. I think like light rom-com or drama. Yeah, something that's not such a spectacle. Mm -hmm. and like I was a, a melodrama oh, something yeah. where you can contain your reactions oh yeah yeah you don't want to watch horror you don't want to watch something that's no porn comedy <laughs> uh, you got the, if you got one of those filters on your screen that makes it so you can only view it from like 10 degrees of angle and a delta blanket <laughs> and a delta. <laughs> on your oh, lap that's why that's why you fly delta <laughs> they know what they're doing putting that triangle on their logo <laughs> okay um so definitely no lightning round. <laughs> yeah, there's no lightning round. Did we get we anything? Way over, overshot our time. Way overshot. So um, did we... People love these uh, conversations that we have at the end where we work out our differences and model <laughs> that type of talking to each other. Really, a lot of people have no idea how to even start what we I were know. discussing right Look, there. And that would be like a huge issue for them that would loom over them for months yeah. and come up over and over again. And like, I hope you feel okay right now. I feel okay right now. I do. I'm, I will... About. I will have to decompress, but I am certainly okay. Good. Um, it opened up a good discussion. It was uncomfortable, 
Um, but it illuminated People a lot of things for me. <laughs> yeah. People want to see you struggle. I want to scram. They do. Scram, Morgan, scram. What I from improv. Is... But what happened to Dorgan? What happened to Dorgan? Who was so loved oh, yeah. and what'd you think of that just technique? made a few was, was that shit careless errors. And patronizing and me being like, imagine that I had a podcast with someone, let's call her Dorgan. <laughs> well, I named her Dorgan, but yeah. You did, yeah. yeah. But you saw what I was doing. I like, know. Try and I know, but it's helpful. yourself from the situation. It's is that helpful? Okay, oh my okay. God. No, I think that uh, encouraging people to think about a situation in a way that helps them see it objectively yeah. is so helpful. Yeah. Did you do it in a way that was slightly patronizing? Maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did we finish that, that last thing that I kept trying to go back to about her question? Um, Ooh, sorry, princess. What did you, what did you want to know? <laughs> the very last part about, is it fair to like expect oh, no, other people didn't. to be working on that? Because if That's I'm working hard to work yeah. through what annoys me, then I'd hope they'd be doing the same to foster patients for me. Is you that can hope fair? all you want. You can, you can show them that you're doing it, but you can't, you can bring a horse to water, but boy, can you ever not make that motherfucker drink? Yes. Um, I think the only time that it's fair to have an expectation of a person is when you've asked for it and they've agreed to give it to you. Yeah. And when they intrinsically want it. Yeah, and there, yeah. So if you ask for them to work on a specific behavior or a specific thing that bothers them, that they have a pet peeve that you want them to work on, they shouldn't agree to work on that unless they want to do that or they believe that they can. Okay. Well, so what if what if the thing is that they are they are very annoyed by you, right? Yeah. You're expecting so them to she asked be doing Prince the same Avocado type of work. To uh, <laughs> yeah. Try to work on his. Not be annoying. N- not be not a, be annoyed. Not being annoyed at her, right. um, For not le- for leaving the bed unmade or something. Sure, right, um, right. Only if he agrees to do that. Yeah. Then she should expect that. You can't control other people, and they have the yeah. autonomy and freedom. And I think that again, like like I said, you can model that living a less judgmental lifestyle allows you to move through with yeah. more ease. Yeah, um, that's the best way to sell somebody on this yeah. type of thing is just it's be just the be example it. and then they will come to you and they will ask you how you've done it. I mean, this has happened with the two of us. Morgan will be succeeding in some area or I'll be succeeding in some area. And then it's like, yeah, what can I get some more of that? <laughs> it might not even be an explicit question. It's just like they start trying things that that person has been doing and mm-hmm. trying to move in that same direction. Yeah, yeah. And one uh, disclaimer is anytime you're trying to do any kind of personal growth, you will alienate some people. Oh, and yes. they w- that has to happen. You will make new friends. You will form new relationships, and the ones that you have will shift. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the costs of changing yeah. anything you, about yourself. You will find new, exciting facets in some of your existing relationships, yeah. and you will have frustrations yeah. um, and growing pains or d- disintegration in others. You may find that some of your relationships are founded on complaining about people yes. that you're annoyed about with that person <laughs> yes. and if you stop experiencing so much annoyance you may not know how to relate to that friend anymore yeah that person maybe doesn't need to be in your life for the moment in such a large role or maybe you find that oh as you've grown you also got into this new hobby or interest that is something that they're also interested in and suddenly your uh, interactions shift to more positive growth uh, inspiring interactions Yeah. And I think that you can't look at, you can't look that far ahead as justification for not growing. Yes, exactly. 
Um, and just if you're in a those, relationship yeah. that you're like, oh, well, my boyfriend and I, that's our whole thing is we get annoyed <laughs> about stuff and you find that this annoyance is a real problem for you, it may end that relationship. And that is up to you. You may not be in a place where that feels worth it at the moment and that may stunt your growth. But I recommend that people not stay in relationships that stunt their growth uh, for any longer than they feel that they have to. When you're ready to, like, you'll find more love and more acceptance by growing than by staying put. Well, because the other thing is that the growth is going to happen. What, like the universe is going to keep pushing your buttons on this certain thing. And you're going to have to change eventually for the, like in general, like you will continue to face the same obstacles over and over usually. And so I think it's just kind of delaying the inevitable to put, put your foot down. But, I disagree. I think okay. some people suffer until they die and they never learn. Oh, sure. Sure. I think I've seen that. But you will suffer more and more and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and your walls will have to get thicker and bigger. Right. And yeah. You'll get more and more defensive and fearful of others and change. Uh, the, and yeah. Yeah. And then you may die. And I believe every person. <laughs> you'll definitely die. <laughs> that's part of like it feels like you have that choice and it is up to you to decide whether you'd like to grow and yeah, don't die annoyed. Or, yeah, or or suffer your whole life. You do have a choice to suffer. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's Buddhism for you. There you go. <laughs> Pain versus suffering. Yeah. Um, all right, PG. I hope that we gave you some interesting things to think about and, and strategies for digging a little deeper on some of the facets of your question yeah and i hope that we also illuminated Great. that it's complex yes i yes. mean you know we're and giving advice on this with and super annoyed a lot i get annoyed <laughs> yeah <laughs> quite uh, one last note on it is um recognize that your annoyance is the other side of the coin of a positive trait of uh being hopeful and hmm. being um precise and being uh, a person with tastes and preferences and values that even allows you to get annoyed. Yeah, knowing yourself that well. Yeah, and having ideals. Mm -hmm. This is the way that things should be, and I've thought about this, and they're not this way, and that bothers me. Well, all of those prerequisites are part of the annoyance, and those can be strengths in lots of situations. Totally. So it's not an entirely bad quality. Yes, you seem like a quite thoughtful princess. Yeah. So I hope that you are reaping the benefits of that as well. I hope you get a chip dipped in you real soon <laughs> and gobbled up by a person who takes good care of their teeth. <laughs> good night. <laughs>